Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast, Season 3, Episode 16. Tegan, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, looking forward to, uh, we're, we're recording this the weekend before, so looking forward to the holiday weekend and some good relaxation. Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully you have some great gameplay as well uh, with the long holiday there. Uh, so welcome to today's episode. We have a DM spotlight or maybe soon to be DM spotlight that we'll find out with our great friend, uh, Travis, aka Indiana Sloan. So we'll talk with him here in a little bit. Uh, but first, things on our end, of course, check us out DungeonJediMasters.com for access to all of our content, this podcast, uh, our YouTube channel for VODs and tutorials and things like that. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, great ways to connect with us, see announcements. Um, and we have uh, our Twitch channels for live actual plays, which we'll touch on here. And uh, then, of course, the best way to uh, support us is our Patreon. Uh, Tegan, we have four new Patreon members at Tier 2. Let us know who those are. Yep. Shout outs to the new Patreon members. Uh, we had a great week. Uh, the new uh, newest DJMs are Baron, Tyler, Tim, and Scott. So thank you for supporting us uh, and go check out some of the, the cool content that you're going to be able to have access to, uh, like uh, what Todd has up next. Absolutely. Yeah. So all uh, members of Patreon at tier two or three do have access to exclusive content that we put out um, monthly uh, or so. And uh, yes, we do have a new piece out that tier three got an early preview last week. And so today with this podcast uh, is open to all tier two members are next in this kind of running the campaign, running adventure series that I'm putting together. And this is expanding encounters. So it's a look at taking your traditional encounter or a standard encounter of just players versus enemies, and you're on a grid and you fight, uh, ways to bring some flavor to that, uh, talking about changing up those enemy types from what might be expected, looking at terrain and weather and obstacles and, and objectives and tactics, all those different types of things that can help you uh, bring some flavor to encounters besides just the you know side A versus side B. So take a look at that on our Patreon available now. And all the other content, as Tegan mentioned, that we do have up there, including the uh, Invasion campaign, which is the other half of, of stuff we're offering there. So uh, speaking of Twitch, which, Tegan, you are running Invasion, I know uh, tonight is uh, the other campaign, though. Um, tell us about that. Definitely. So tonight, join us for Stranded. This is run by uh, Keith, uh, who, if you haven't uh, heard him before, go check out our podcast where he came on and talked about the campaign. But we're going to be getting into uh, some fun adventures with uh, Stranded. We're looking to find uh, the captain of our ship who uh, has broken off from the group. So we want to find him uh, before the planet does him in. So hopefully uh, you see our crew, see if we can find them and hopefully get some shenanigans along the way. Uh, and then uh, definitely, uh, if you haven't caught up on Invasion, check out last week's episode. That was a fun one, a crazy combat. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. So go check that out if you have it on our, our YouTube channel, too. 
Awesome. Yeah, always great uh, Star Wars content over there your way. So I think that's pretty much everything on our end. Uh, Just in general, thank you to all of our followers, listeners, and supporters. We appreciate it so very much. Uh, There's two new pieces of Star Wars 5e content here. We have a new species and then uh, some new customization options. So first up is a new species. Uh, This is the Quermians. Um, They are a tall, very long-necked species there that uh, you might recognize uh, Jedi Master Yariel Poof, who is a member of the Jedi High Council. So somebody that you would have seen in the prequel movies there. Looks like they, and their homeworld is Cormia. So as far as the species for Star Wars 5e, they are a wisdom score plus two or intelligence uh, plus one. So um, good options there for, for any of those uh, types of builds that you're looking to do. Their features here, we have diplomatic, proficiency with insight or persuasion, your choice of either of those. They are four-armed. Cormians have four arms, which they can use independently of one another. You can only gain the benefit of items held by two of your arms at any time, of course. Uh, But once per round, you can switch which arms you are benefiting from, no action required. So a good feature there. Uh, another feature, natural empathy. Uh, Cormian's talent at reading the body language of others allow them to sense the emotions in those around them. Uh, you have advantage on insight checks to determine emotions against humanoids and beasts within 10 feet of you. So very nice there, especially in a social encounter. Another feature, they have two brains. When you make a wisdom saving throw, you can use your reaction to gain advantage on the roll. Once you've done so, you must complete a short or long rest before you do so again. So definitely great uh, use in maybe some combat situations if you're up against somebody who is trying to cause a condition based on wisdom. Uh, Last main feature here is watchful, proficiency in the perception skill. So some pretty good stuff there all around. Uh, Check out the Cormians. That is written by the second Don, it looks like. So thank you for that. Uh, Tegan, throw it over to you for some new customization options. Definitely. So these are new customization options all about avoiding damage. So these are all pretty cool. They're uh, they're feats uh, and you can take these and they're half feats. So you get each of them has a different grouping that you can choose from, uh, but uh, you get three different stats you can pick from uh, and you get to plus one to that stat. Uh, and you also get some additional features. Uh, one of the cool ones is so it has one feat for each damage type. So like Sonic, Cold, Poison, Force. Uh, and with that, when you take the feat that goes with that damage type, uh, you get an advantage on your saving throws to avoid that type of damage. Uh, and you also get to uh, kind of get some bonus for some of the debuffs that go along with it. Uh, So picking on uh, sonic damage with the auditory dampening feat, uh, if you were deafened, you can make ability checks that rely on hearing with disadvantage instead of automatically failing them like you normally would after being deafened. Uh, And those kind of go along with that too. Uh, Like with the poison, for uh, example, uh, as an action or a bonus action, if you get poisoned, you can expend a hit die to end the poison condition on yourself, which is actually pretty sick. That's a really good trade-off, especially a bonus action to hit die. If you're dealing with a campaign that may have poison come through pretty often, that could be a good way to shake it off. Uh, but they've got one of these for each damage type. So go through, if you know there's going to be a certain build you're thinking of with your PC, or know there's going to be a certain type of damage pretty frequently in the campaign, uh, this could be a good way to shake that off a little bit. Uh, and droids, ion damage could be a great one to take to help out that bonus issue too so go check those out they've got some fun ones to help really refine the build you're going for 
Awesome. Sounds like a great addition there. Uh, does it say who wrote those? Oh, definitely. Those are written by Jay Elliott. So shout out to him. All right. Uh, always, you know, great to see the, the community's contributions to the system there. So awesome. All right. Well, that is everything on the front end. Uh, let's go ahead and bring Indy in and have a chat with him about Star Wars 5e. All right, everyone. So happy to have back on the Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast, Travis, aka Indiana. How you doing, friend? I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here again. Always, uh, always good time to chat with you about Star Wars 5e and otherwise. So, Indy has been on with us before. Uh, we talked about you know just some thoughts on on being a good player, and we're probably going to revisit that a little bit. But as we were doing this season on the podcast. So there are DM spotlights, but uh, Indy has never sat in the DM seat. So we'll maybe talk about that a little bit too. Maybe some questions that he has considering that opportunity. So, but first tell us, uh, remind us how you first got into tabletops. What does that history look like for you? Yeah. So for me, I always had for the last, I don't know, several years, kind of a passing interest. It always seemed like something fun to get into. Just never really had the right opportunity to you know, dive in mostly because in-person friends and things weren't really into that uh, particular hobby. However, all of that really changed when uh, COVID hit and everything went to this new virtual, you know, landscape that we lived in. Um, so by nature of that sort of opened up opportunities and doors for me to go out and find games um, like with you guys on roll 20 um, through the Star Wars 5e uh, Discord server and things of that, and really, it's really just kind of snowball effect um, since then. Playing in Star Wars 5e, standard D and D, Swayed, Mothership, just kind of all the different systems out there. To where, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a couple, two, two and a half, three years here of uh, really immersing myself into the tabletop RPG world. That was probably one of the good things, one few good things that came out of COVID. Uh, I played before, but I've definitely played a lot more now and during COVID than I did before then. So uh, a lot more TTRPG time. Yeah, the the digital landscape, as you said, that what that has allowed uh, for us to connect and, and uh, you know, Tegan and I, we do live in the same city uh, and connected over my first experience with tabletops through a live game at a game shop, but you know, like meeting you, Indy, and, and many others through the digital space has been fantastic. Um, what was your first? Uh, what was your first game system that you got into? Uh, actually, would have been Star Wars Five E okay. of all things. So, probably a little bit backwards, maybe from what standard might be of knowing regular D&D 5e and then making the transition into um, Star Wars 5e. But for me, it was more start with Star Wars 5e, learn that system, then it's very easy to then kind of retrofit it back into what standard D&D rule sets uh, would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so I know you have, you have a, you do have an in-person game though now. It's traditional 5e, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of one of the other benefits from that was once I found Star Wars 5e kind of posted on Facebook social media like hey I'm playing this game it's pretty fun then I, I realized hey there's actually people I know that are playing in my local area so at the time their game was originally in person when COVID hit they went all remote so it's very easy for me to kind of jump in got into that particular campaign and now we're back to in-person uh, meeting once a week for that so 
yeah, so I do have that standard sort of D&D 5e game that I uh, do now in person as well. Perfect. One of the things I guess, I think you're the first one I've heard that's kind of with uh, that way to finding if Star Wars 5e first to D&D. Uh, what's been kind of your thoughts on like uh, going back to D&D uh, or learning D&D after playing Star Wars 5e? Yeah, it was a pretty easy transition, I think, because Star Wars 5e at its core, you know, at the time when I first started playing, I know Star Wars 5e has added a lot of changes and things in the two and a half, three years since I first discovered it. But um, again, that core foundation is still still the same. So it was a D&D 5e was almost easier to learn. Like I almost kind of learned the more complicated modifications and configuration you know, differences. And then it's like, okay, we'll strip away some of that custom stuff for Star Wars 5e. And then you're back to just D&D at its core. Oh, well, this, this is actually kind of easy to pick up. Nice. Yeah, I think, uh, actually, I think I was honestly the same way. I'd have to go back and look, but it was either at the same time or I did play in, in Tegan's game, you know, those years ago first as well. And I was learning it because when I'd play 5e, I'd be like, oh, what is that? Really? Is that like, uh, you know, any of the Star Wars 5e related terms, you know, because most people would be like, oh, that is, um, you know, guidance in 5e. But for us, it's, um, or I don't know, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, in uh star wars 5e yeah i do i do catch myself like some, and... i do catch myself sometimes doing that where i'm playing 5e and i'm like oh wait shouldn't they get ex extra attack here or isn't that called like oh nope that's what you call it in yeah in star wars 5e that's not the 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 original and i think what really made me get into star wars 5e first compared to D D was just the setting i've been a big star wars fan for a long time always enjoyed more of the sci-fi blasters and that kind of stuff in less the true kind of Lord of the Rings fantasy traditional sort of thing. So that was kind of always one of the things with regular D and D I was like, am I going to enjoy the magic and the swords and, you know, that sort of a thing where, well, Star Wars, I know I love Star Wars already. So it was kind of a natural interest kind of already fit in with that particular uh, setting. Do you, um, so I have, I've talked to players here and there, uh, you know, seeking interest in a game and whatnot. When I would say, all right, I'm going to run some Star Wars 5e and like, you know, I don't, I don't have the best knowledge. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I've seen the core movies, things like that. And I always tell them that is more than enough, right? Any thoughts on that for anyone out there, out there that would have that similar thought? You know, I, I know that you are a massive Star Wars fan, but uh, what is your thought on, on that? Yeah, I mean, really, I feel like the system is built in such a way that any Star Wars knowledge you have coming in can be a benefit. Maybe you have a little bit more appreciation for the different species or like what Wookiees do versus other, you know, things. But realistically, I mean, a person could come in with, Hey, I've watched the movies and that's all I know. Or, Hey, I've heard of star Wars. I like sci-fi stuff. And that's all, you know, or you can be completely on the other end of the scale. And Hey, I've read all the books. I know all the EU, I know all the, the canon thing, you know, all that crazy stuff out there, like, and still get enjoyment out of it. So it may seem daunting maybe at first to like move into a system that you feel like is built around a particular reference point of Star Wars that you don't understand much from. But I think once you get into it, you realize, oh no, everything I need to know for the character I learn along the way. Because if you think about it from an RP standpoint, your character you're playing on random planet X is a starting class. You may not know about all these other planets and other species and things because just like in the real world, you as a person don't know everything around the entire galaxy. So 
don't let that really deter you from thinking, oh, I can't start this because I don't know enough. 100%, yeah. With, with Star Wars, you can learn a ton about it, but if you're just playing in a game, I've had players who've not like seen any of the movies jump in, and hopefully your DM will tell you what you need to know as you go through, and you can kind of learn the galaxy as you play. Yeah, I think uh, Tegan has done a good job with that, I, I would say, with um, providing you know, kind of lore recaps, bullet points, things like that um, in the games that I played. Uh, with you, Tegan. And I, I, you know, I think that's something just to mention out to other DMs is, you know, consider a little cheat sheet, if you will, um, for, for your table and, and what are the key things, uh, even if it's just a jumping off point for them to dive in deeper, um, if when they, they have the opportunity. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, like I, I certainly don't consider myself a, a big lore um, person when it comes to Star Wars, but I've always had a blast running the games because it becomes more about the story that you and your table create and, you know, whatever that is, you know, if it gets off the rails from what traditional Star Wars is, I think that's fine. Yeah. And I think that cheat sheet is actually a really good idea for both, almost both sides of it. One, people that don't know much about it. And then two, people that maybe know a whole lot about a particular planet or a particular area of Star Wars to say, in this particular campaign, this particular scenario, here's what your characters actually do know to kind of prevent that metagame and to be like, oh, well, according to, you know, book XYZ, this would have never happened. Well, yeah. that's fine if that's in the books, but for this particular story that we're trying to tell, here's what the characters actually know. So I think that cheat sheet's a really good suggestion for both not having a lot of Star Wars information and maybe having too much Star Wars information because both could potentially derail the story in different ways. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of the game itself, Indy, what, uh, what are some of your favorite parts of it? Favorite class, favorite build, uh, things like that. Oh, geez. Well, for me, um, you know, I really enjoy some of the, the fighter subclasses. Um, you know, they have the gunslinger, or I guess there's the operative, but, um, sharpshooter and a couple of the other subclasses that fighter and operative both have, I think really play well into what I enjoy about Star Wars, which has always been the non-Jedi side of things. So it's like, nope, I don't want a lightsaber. I don't want force powers. I want to play like a bounty hunter or a smuggler or that type of uh, class. So as soon as I saw that that was an option, I was like, nope, this is perfect. It's a great system for me. I can build the character the way I want and kind of play the sort of Star Wars characters that uh, I enjoy. And I think I think it does a good job too. I know one of the sticky points with Star Wars 5e and Star Wars games in general is how do you balance, you know, force powers and lightsabers because Jedi are super powerful in the movies. And how do you balance that with a smuggler with a blaster? Because clearly, you know, a smuggler with a blaster couldn't keep up with a Jedi with force powers. So I think, I think the system's done a good job in kind of balancing those two things out to where, you don't have to be a Jedi to be super powerful. You can still play the other classes and it all, you know, works itself out. 100%. Yeah. I think they did a good job balancing that and fighter and fighter and the fighting styles and masteries is probably like my favorite piece of star Wars 5e uh, and traditional 5e can be feel a little bland playing a fighter. You just kind of feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again, but the styles and masteries and everything you can pick up with it. It just, it feels like it plays different. I've got two fighters in invasion. You wouldn't even tell they're the same class if you didn't know. No, by the way they play mm -hmm. yeah no because I, I one of the first classes i then played in standard 5e was fighter so comparing that to what i had been doing previously in star wars 5e i was like 
okay, yep, this is kind of more bland, a little more mundane, less options. Each turn, it was like, well, I, I move and I attack. Okay, then I move and I attack. Like, okay, well, this is not as exciting as it is in uh, the Star Wars 5e fighter version. I know you're not DMing, but with your D&D regular 5e game, have you brought any, like, Star Wars 5e stuff over to it? Um... No, I haven't. That's not a bad. That's not a bad idea. I never thought about trying to take some of the things from Star Wars Five E and then pull it into uh, standard Five E. But I definitely think there's knowing that foundation is the same. There's some tweaks and modifications to some of those classes. You know, like for example, you know, Ranger within Star Wars or regular D and D is sometimes not the greatest class <laughs> there is. So I know for Star Wars Five E that um, I guess Scout, Scout, yeah, that um. It's kind of improved upon some of the uh, the shortfalls that uh, the Ranger class had. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good thought to kind of go the other way around and bring some of that back in. Styles and Masteries. I've got a D&D 5e, or a really heavily modified D&D 5e game that I run. Uh, but I bought the Styles and Masteries and a couple other big things over just to keep it fun. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody would go through though and like just reconvert Star Wars 5e back to D&D 5e and just save me some time. But uh, <laughs> that, that, that'd be my dream. <laughs> Well, we'll do that for uh, one Star Wars 5e. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, we do <laughs> the whole new version. Where, uh... So uh, speaking of DMing, let's get into that a little bit. Uh, you know, something that you have not done yet uh, there. And you've just uh, you've, you've just rode everyone else's coattails and, and hey, well, you know, that's... <laughs> a fantastic player at the table. So but, uh, you know, we've talked about this and I, I know that you've you know, I think you've had some interest in that someone that has never DM'd. What is what is that thought process for you? Or what are those questions you've had, you know, or what? Yeah, what has that thought process been as you've thought about approaching it uh, mm-hmm. from someone who it never has? Yeah, I mean, I think from the get go, it was, hey, I'm just too new to this. I don't understand it well enough. If rules questions come up, I wouldn't know how to answer because I haven't played enough different types of classes to where if you know, a caster does something. I've never played a caster at that time early on. Um, so over time, that that hurdle is sort of diminished because now that I've played more, I've been in more sessions, I've seen more things, I feel more comfortable there. Um, you know, the balancing, I think, really the scenario building and generation, I think, is the kind of final hurdle that I need to understand. Okay, how do I, from behind the GM screen, put together... A scenario with difficulty rankings or CR twos and one like I don't understand yeah. that that world enough and I think probably from the outside looking in it probably seems really complex and really difficult but maybe like a lot of things once you get into it, you realize oh actually no it's not as it's not as complicated as it may seem so I think that's the one hurdle still that exists to keep me from saying hey I'm ready to totally take the plunge because I don't know how to build. Mm-hmm. that scenario or those encounters properly yet yeah that is um you know not to to completely you know push back on on both of those points the first one that was me as as far as understanding the rules and stuff i mean i still don't understand all the rules especially in star wars 5e there's so many things out there and and that's where you just you know you have uh you have some faith in your players to help pull that weight I certainly didn't learn. I still don't know all the classes. And so I lean on the players to understand their character, right? Um, and in those moments where you don't know what's going on, lean on them to 
to come with that information, you know, and, and uh, I think that's per- perfectly fine. So I think for anyone else that shares that concern, you know, don't have that concern, get to the table and, and be open to your players about that. Hey, I don't really know everything. So not open it up to backseat GMing, but help us, help us everyone out at the table as, as we learn this. And then the other thing, you know, I struggle still to this day with encounters and whatnot. Tegan is fantastic at that. Tegan, you do a great job at, at good, strong, difficult challenges there. And, and I think that's just another thing you just have to dive in. Um, any thoughts on that, Tegan? Yeah, so the good thing with Star Wars 5e, it's hard to TPK your players. So uh, yeah. it gives you a lot of room to learn kind of where the balance is before like you throw them in the deep end. Uh, invade, last session of Invasion, notwithstanding, came very close to TPKing them, but they, they came through with 4 HP. But uh, it, you, that's, that's the nice thing with it. They're stronger. It would give you a lot of time to, to play and tinker with it. And, the, and it's really one of those things, like you said, the more you get you get in there and get used to it and just use uh, and, and look in the fi- regular 5e dungeon Dungeon, what's it called? The uh, Master's Guide. D&D. D&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dungeon's Master's Guide. I can never remember what the words were for it, but uh, there's a whole section there, and they give you some good advice that works for Star Wars Five E. But really, just playing with it uh, and getting used to both your how your because each table will play different. Some are super optimized, especially with Star Wars Five E, and others aren't. So just throwing some stuff at them, see how they react, and then going back from there, and you'll get used to it. And they become something quick and quick and easy to do for you after a while. I think, um, yeah, I think really a good, a great piece of advice would be to just throw things at your players, um, knowing that you are going to have to adjust on the fly. Because I think that is a skill that if you can learn right away, super valuable. If Because if you do, go through that whole process of creating this encounter and then you realize it's either too powerful or not enough, like you need to know how to adjust that um, to make sure that you know, that, that fun, uh, level is still there that you're, you're trying to go after. So, you know, go ahead and throw some random stuff at them at the beginning and, and trial and error and, and, you know, Oh, I need to adjust this, learn to do that on the fly as well. So, yeah. Is there anything other than those, you know, concerns or, or hesitancies in the, anything from your experience so far that you feel has specifically prepared you for if, when you, you know, step into that seat? Yeah, I mean, I think really um, just two things. One, just the nature of playing and being in sessions, not just, you know, long ongoing campaigns, but, you know, various one shots that gave me a chance to experiment and try different classes or see different sort of scenarios to kind of understand, you know, more social heavy type things versus more combat focused type things, ones that are more of a blended um, sort of a scenario. And I think really, too, the other benefit I've gotten that's kind of made it easier to where I'm like, hey, I may be ready to do this is getting to play in games that are run by GMs that do a really good job with their side of things. So it's just kind of like kind of through osmosis, you know, being at the table with other GMs that are strong like you guys to where, hey, now if I'm ever doing stuff, I can think back to, okay, well, how did Tigger, how did oh yeah, this is very similar to that time that Todd did this and here's how he approached it. So it's just getting that kind of exposure and experience just from being at tables and kind of learning the, the, you know, learning from strong GMs to take their experiences and then translate them and, and learn from them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great, you know, I think I've definitely picked up uh, just, yeah, playing with others and, and learning how, how they did things. And then also through that process, you learn your own style as well. 
I think is the other thing is, is uh, lean into your own style of game. I think, uh, you know, it's safe to say that Tegan and I have a very different style of game that we run, that we enjoy to run and which is absolutely fine. Um, you know, and that's something you learn along the way of, of what you enjoy and, and then you kind of craft, craft your style on that for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the other things too, you know, people will talk about, there's, you know, plenty of memes and videos and stuff out there. You know, you don't have to be, you know, Matt Mercer out there with, you know, sound effects and all the different character voices and all that crazy sort of stuff. Like I've been in, I've been in scenarios and tables that, you know, the DM and GM does all of that and it's great. And then I've been at some where it's, they don't do that and it's still equally as fun. So I think being comfortable to understand you don't have to be like the world's greatest, you know, GM to run a particular session. Yeah. Voice actor, improv, et cetera. That's not required at all. Yeah. yeah like, like I feel like with, with so much of the streaming and it's become so popular, that's like, they've set the bar of like the expectation is like, Oh yeah, this is what it's going to be like. And it's like, no, no, that's, those are trained professional voice actors. Of course they have a leg up when it comes to those types of things. hundred percent. Yeah. Just got to get those like, expectations set and realize it's your regular people with day jobs and all that they've got to go to in between prepping for everything. Uh, one thing you mentioned, though, I do want to call out. I just got to shout back out. Uh, a lot of people, I think, get caught in that forever, or on the other side of the table, get caught in the forever DM mindset where they're just usually DMing. But uh, like Todd mentioned, like it's great to play with other DMs to not only learn new things about that and enhance your own style, but just to kind of see what else is out there. Like uh, I've been trying to do that a little bit more myself this year and try to get other people's tables just to, to see just different experiences, different styles, and see how they play out. So encourage forever DMs to get go sit on the other side of the screen a couple times a year at least. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a little bit along that, you know, not necessarily other DMs, but other uh, systems as well. I, I know, Indy, you played in, and Tegan, you've been ripping through lots of different systems there lately, you know, with your own stuff. Um, Indy, anything, any thoughts from that regard? I know you've played uh, in a few different systems outside of the 5e system and and anything you see there that can help you, you know, with that, with, again, kind of this process of considering stepping into the DMC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, D&D encounters a lot of times can feel like the only logical thing to do is to attack. For example, like, okay, we're going to move in, we're going to attack these things, it's going to be a battle of hit points, and then we're going to wear them down and then move on to the next step. So if you take a system like Mothership, for example, which is almost the exact sort of opposite to where you have choices Maybe you want to do combat. Maybe you want to run away. Maybe you want to find a creative solution to get out of things. You can take ideas like that, bring that back into your 5e encounter and scenario building and say, hey, when I build this encounter or this combat thing for the players, let's give them a couple different options. Maybe they can get creative. Maybe they can think outside of the box and instead of just storming in and attacking, maybe they avoid the combat scenario. So I think not trying to necessarily default to everything's a combat encounter, giving those options that other, other, I think other systems are more blatantly saying like, Hey, yes, give your players options every time that D and D sometimes and 5e doesn't necessarily always make it as obvious that, Hey, there should be other options for the players to go through. 
definitely. Uh, and kind of with that too, uh, we actually, we just, just yesterday. And by the time this airs last week, we played blades of the dark, uh, which kind of along those lines, it gives like a players, a lot of different tools. Um, almost the players, more tools in the DM on that side offer, uh, different ways to kind of creatively solve issues or kind of have some fun with it. Uh, definitely like some things that could be like applied to other systems like 5e to hopefully the just give a little more spark that creativity and, and give everybody just a, a chance to think outside the box and not just kind of press their blaster down. Yeah, we, we talk all the time about borrowing mechanics and tools from other systems, you know, for other systems, things like that. And, and I think from a player standpoint as well, if you want to be a DM, you know, playing other systems is also very valuable because those systems are going to approach the game differently. And as you were saying, where, you know, you think back to how DMs have done this or this, you know, situation A and B and, and they how they approached it, you know, if you go to a different system, that's that's a whole different scenario that's going to come up. And and so it just it just creates that that wider breadth of of uh, knowledge that you can lean on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like with almost anything in life, the more different perspectives and different um, takes you can get on something like tabletop gaming the more well-rounded you can become and understand like, Hey, let me borrow this idea or I've seen this. And it's just overall is going to make you like a, a stronger player. And I think DM as well. Well, uh, as we start to wrap up here. So if, when you decide to hop in that seat there, any thoughts on what that looks like? And you're going to go with star Wars five E any thoughts on the, uh, the storyline or campaign that you're looking at? <laughs> Um, that's a Too very, out. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very good question. I feel like I would be comfortable doing a Star Wars 5e just because that's where I started, played a lot of Star Wars 5e, I've played a lot of D&D &D 5e, so I have a pretty strong uh, foundation there that you can, can draw from. Um, you know, the other one would probably be like Suede, so Savage Worlds, um, yeah. played a lot of scenarios and campaigns with that, and the system is super approachable to where it's it's not overly complex there's there's powers there's casting but i feel like it's a maybe a more simplified version maybe for uh, somebody's first time to uh to dm but yeah so those kind of probably the two i'd be leaning towards as far as scenario um probably shamelessly uh find somebody's existing uh, you know one shot sort of thing to maybe uh start with start with maybe a couple of those before i say hey I can string together some sort of a campaign i think baby steps yeah, yeah, yeah. Get what, my, like, get my what toes would wet. be like like an era in Star Wars? You have a favorite era. What what would be a very very high level view? Like if you wrote a campaign, what does that look like? For me, I would do um, probably either original trilogy or shortly thereafter. Maybe shortly thereafter, just so I don't have to deal with any continuity nonsense kind of yeah. stuff with the yeah. Empire and things. Um, it also lets me avoid Jedi being uh prevalent um right so you know i could i could ease i could see myself doing like a, a scenario with it's a it's like a mercenary group you know some bounty hunters maybe doing uh the usual underworld odd jobs kind of a thing um maybe somehow string that together as they go on these different jobs and maybe uncover there's uh a thread some underworld current that's you know tying things together like a mystery that they uh they run into kind of a thing awesome well, yeah. Well, uh, we look forward to maybe seeing that out there soon. Um, definitely. So, uh, Tegan, any last thoughts for Indy? 
Oh, no, yeah, but definitely hopefully uh, we'll get to see that campaign soon. Uh, one last question. Well, Legends or canon, uh, what, what would you go for with uh, the campaign uh, or kind of your own blend of the two? Um, mm, probably would, because I know more canon, probably lean towards that, but not be held hostage by it. Because whatever campaign or scenario I run, it's going to be set within Star Wars, but it's still going to be my own spin on it to a degree. So I don't want to necessarily worry about, oh, well, because the new, you know, the new order or whatever fires up in a couple years, we have to worry about that. No, let's just not worry about that. Let's let's live in the world, but not be uh, constrained by uh, canon too much. 100%. That's exactly how I do. I, was, uh, I always do Legends up until the point the campaign starts, and then everything after that is whatever comes up whatever right wide yeah. open yeah. yeah yeah once 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 we start the players and that's one of the things you know i really like about like homebrew campaigns and some of the other things um that i've run is, is watching the players you know or me as a player kind of help shape the storyline in the campaign and seeing the the gm say oh well the players seem to have an interest here let's tap into that or maybe the backstory for this character let's work that now into into the campaign to kind of help them shape the story it's not totally on you as a dm to figure it all out like give enough little breadcrumbs to figure out what the what the players like and let, let them kind of shape the story as well definitely yeah yeah definitely the best way to do that i think uh, for sure so well uh as always it's always a pleasure to have you on and chat indy uh we'll hopefully get you back again maybe you know get that campaign started and then we'll we'll talk about that down the road so thank you as always for being here with us we always appreciate it all right. Well, glad to be here. Thanks uh, for having me on. Absolutely. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. All right. Always great to talk with Indy uh, about Star Wars 5e and his experience as a player. Hopefully we'll get to see him in the DM seat here soon. Uh, that is everything for us today. We are still putting our heads together on what's coming next. So just take it as a wonderful surprise in the middle of the month here for our next episode. Uh, we hope to see you then. Enjoy your games amongst the galaxy and may the force be with you. May the force be with you.